Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. It's my privilege and my honor to be here today to share the Word of God with you. My husband, Pastor Thompson, is um, ministering at another church this morning. But I am submitted to him as my husband and my pastor. There is a divine order, and um, I have his favor and his blessing today to speak the word of God. So I humbly come to you today with just a a very simple thought. Um, Turn to Jesus. That's the title. It's real simple. But today, I just want the Lord to have his way to speak clearly. Just adjust your ears so that you can hear what the Spirit is saying. Just open your mind to the word of the Lord. Let your heart be good ground for the seed of his word to grow and be planted and bear forth good fruit in you today. I agree with what Sean was saying. It's great that we come together on Sundays. I think that's important. I think we should do that. But you know, the most, the biggest transformations in my life have been in my everyday walk with God when it's been just me and Jesus in his word, in his presence at his feet. That's where my biggest transformations have taken place. So I hope you heard his words today and you don't neglect whenever you're home, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, to get in your word and to take time to be in the presence of the King of Kings. Amen? All right. Well, if you are interested in knowing more about Life Church or becoming a member, We do have a growth track that we encourage you to take, and our next one is going to be Saturday, August 7th at 9 a.m. If you have children and need child care, child care is provided. So I just wanted to give that little plug right there. If you have the Word of God with you today, or you can look on the screen, we're going to look at Isaiah 45 and verse 22. It's a short scripture. And it says, turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. He is God and he is God alone. And I want to follow hard after him, don't you? Amen. I want to turn to him. I want to turn my heart to him. And then our next portion of scripture, Psalms 119, verse 59 And it says, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. Turn to Jesus. Lord, your word is forever settled in heaven. It's good. It's anointed. Thank you for this privilege and this opportunity. I pray that, Lord, I would speak, God, your words with power and anointing through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, let the hearers receive them gladly, and everyone said amen. Amen. Praise God. 
Well, have you ever made a wrong turn in life or a wrong turn while you're driving? I have on many occasions. <laughs> I've made a wrong turn, and it can be very easy to get off the right path or turn in the wrong direction. And I am, I, I was just sharing with the first service a couple of my times in my life when I've done that. And one that came to my mind right away was uh, Gail Ike and I, we were trying to go to ladies conference in Williamsburg and we leave from the church and we're excited about it. And we're just chit chatting, having a good old time. I get on 295, I'm making my way and we just are laughing and carrying on and having so much fun that I don't know, 20 minutes later, I realize I'm in Hopewell. I, I'm, that's not on the way to ladies conference. That's not on the way to Williamsburg. So I have to figure out what I did wrong and make an adjustment. Somehow I missed my turn. I missed that exit to 64 East. It's easy to do. How many of you have done that? I think we probably all have, <laughs> some more than others. And I do it often, but GPS, my, my phone, little GPS maps thing, that has helped me tremendously. So I get where I'm going more often than not now. <laughs> but one time, it was real bad, and I was, I was just a teenager. I was uh, 18, and I was going from Ohio to Jackson, Mississippi, where my sister and I went to college. And it was just Kim, my sister, and I in the car. And she was always the one that was a good driver and navigated well. She had mapped out, charted our way to get there. This was when you had to unfold the map and actually look and see how to get from one point to another. So she had charted our way out. And I'm the one that's like looking at the map, you know, all twisted. Wait, no. Wait. So she maps out, charts us away. But she's driving and she gets real tired. She says, oh my goodness, I'm so tired. I don't think I can keep going. Can you drive for a little bit? Sure, yeah, I can drive. So she, we switch places. I get in the car, we're going. She falls asleep and I'm just driving. I'm driving two, three hours, just driving. I'm okay. She wakes up. Oh, thanks, I feel better. She's staring out the window. About 15 minutes later, she goes, where are we? I said, I, I, I'm just driving. I, I'm not sure. She goes, oh. and we were in some state, I can't even remember, that we were not supposed to even go through. We were way off course. So we had to pull over. She has to get the map out, and she has to rechart us away to get to where we're going in school. It is easy to get off track like that in life also. You're just driving along, engrossed in your everyday living, in the busyness of life, and you make a wrong turn and you don't even realize it sometimes. Other times you're on autopilot and you're just driving and your mind is not engaged. I think on that trip to school, I was daydreaming about my boyfriend. While she was asleep, I didn't have the radio on, nothing. I think I was just daydreaming about Buddy Thompson. That handsome man. Sometimes we're distracted by other people in the car, the kids fighting in the back seat, or we're trying to fiddle and find the right radio station. Sometimes there's a thick fog or it's raining really hard 
and you can't see, your vision is impaired, and instead of turning off, you just keep going, and you might make a wrong, cl- a wrong turn. Sometimes in life it's like that. The rains come, and the storms come, and it gets really dark, or it's raining so hard that you can't see the road in front of you. And instead of pulling off, we doggedly forge ahead sometimes and, and determine that we're going to stay the course instead of letting the storm pass. Just a little tidbit of advice. If there's a major storm in your life and you can't tell up from down, be still. Don't move. Just wait till the storm passes because you might turn in the wrong direction and end up somewhere you don't want to be. Sometimes a faulty GPS has gotten me off into no man's land, literally. I, before, you know, before we had the GPS systems on our phones, the very early ones, I don't know if you remember those. Well, they weren't, they didn't always have every road. They didn't always have everything right. And I remember trying to get somewhere way down in the mountains, and I have my GPS on, and it has taken me way off course, and it seems weird to me. And, it, and just something just didn't seem right, but I kept following my GPS, kept trusting that that GPS was taking me the right way. I'm on a gravel road now, not a highway, not a paved road anymore. I'm on a gravel road, and yet I keep going. <laughs> I, I end up, there's the gravel it, there's no more gravel. It's just dirt, and it, it stops at like a forest. Like, that is not the place. No one's home. <laughs> this is definitely wrong. But I didn't pay attention to that little voice inside me that said, wait, this something doesn't feel right. You got off track because I was trusting in a faulty GPS system. Sometimes we trust other people to tell us the path that we should be on, and they're not, they don't have all the information They don't know what you're supposed to be doing in life. They're not your God. But we're following after that and trusting that instead of staying in the word and finding our direction from God. But when that happens, the first thing you have to do is stop. Just stop. Don't keep going in that direction. Stop. Assess the situation. And then you can redirect. Stop and think about where you are. Take an honest look. Be real with yourself. Don't just keep going hoping that eventually you'll find your way. And don't deny that you're lost. Did you hear that, all the men in the house? (laughs) Maybe you don't do that, but I know someone who does. No, I know where I'm going. I got this. No, I know where, I know what I'm doing. Okay. All righty then. We don't, you don't think we might need to stop to the, at that gas station and get directions? No, I know where I'm going. All righty. <laughs> stop and think about where you are first. Psalms 119.59, the verse that we read in the beginning, it says, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. In the New Living Translation, it says, I pondered the direction of my life, and I turned to follow your laws. Sometimes we need to just stop and just say, if I keep going in this direction, is it going to lead me to life? Am I going to find Jesus? Am I going to make heaven my home? 
what's going to happen if I keep going on this path? Stop and ponder the direction of your life. And I turn to follow your laws. Consider where you're headed. We get off the path of life when we begin to listen to the wrong voices, contemplating the voice of the enemy, questioning what God already told us, ruminating on the things that we're offended about or things of the flesh. Eve listened to the lies of the enemy whenever he said, well, I'm not, I don't think God meant that. Did he really say that? And she gave ear to that voice long enough to where she turned and it got her off the right path. Many times what gets us off the right, wrong path is an offense. We're so offended and in our pain, it becomes bigger to us than walking in forgiveness. Has that happened to you before when somebody just did you dirty? They did you wrong and you wanted them to pay they should not get away with this. They need, people need to know what they have done to me. People need to know that this is a dangerous person. Well, you know what? Your part is just to forgive. Your part is to do what only you can do, and that is to respond in love like Jesus would respond. You cannot control that other person. We get off the path whenever we want someone to be brought to justice so badly that we will not obey what the word says and go ahead and forgive them. We don't want to walk in love anymore. We want to walk in law. We want to walk in justice. We also can find ourselves going the wrong direction when we take directions from our culture or from the world. Sometimes we want to be so identified with the world that we take direction from them instead of the word of God. Why do I care what the world says? If it's in opposition against the word of God, why don't I just stand with this word that's forever settled in heaven? Why don't I just stand on this word that its foundations are true and eternal and it will never pass away? The world, it's constantly changing its definitions of everything. Don't set your sights on what the world says. That's what Israel tried to do, and they got in trouble. Israel decided they didn't want to just serve one God. You know, all the other nations, they had lots of gods and idols that they worshipped, so they'd kind of mix them together. And sometimes I'm afraid that we do that as people of God. We don't just worship the one true living God, but we make idols of things and we set them up in our lives and we go after them and we make idols of our, of our careers. We make idols of our, of our social media and that becomes, our image becomes so important to us and, and we get so concerned about what other people think. Sometimes we want to be woke and align ourselves with the world instead of aligning ourselves with the principles of our creator. Ask yourself today, are my, is my feet, am I walking this path because I trust God and I love him and I want his ways above all others? Or am I walking this path because it's the path that I want to take and I don't know if I trust him completely? Am I seeking the approval of man over the approval of God? Am I trying to squeeze my Christian beliefs into the system of this world? 
Maybe you don't know the choice that led you to the place where you're at right now, but you know if you keep going, you're not going to end up in a good place. Open your eyes. Where will this lifestyle lead me to? Where does this attitude take me? Where will this relationship lead me? If I open this door in my life, what's going to be the outcome? What am I letting in? Where am I going to end up? Some have just slightly turned, but if you go a long time in that direction, where will you end up? Because a slight turn, if not corrected, can lead to the wrong destination. If I want to go straight back and I turn just slightly, I can fix it real easy in the beginning. But if I keep going down that path, I'm going to end up so far from where my original destination was. So I want to caution you. Just take a look. It's good to take stock every now and then and say, where am I? Where, if I keep going down this path, where will it lead me? Stop, assess where you are, and redirect. When you see the path you're on, turn to Jesus. The scripture in Psalm says, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I pondered the direction of my life, and I turned to follow your laws. I considered it, and I turned around and came running back to you. Turning is an action. It's a deliberate decision. Turning changes your direction, and it resets your course. One of the most dramatic changes in direction in the Bible is when Saul, the persecutor, became Saul, the Jesus pursuer and promoter. He came to a turning point. You see, his knowledge of religion caused him to miss the Redeemer. And so often I find that's what we do. We cling to the law and to what we want, whatever rules that, that we're concerned about, the laws and the regulations or the traditions that are important to us, and we elevate that more than we do spending time in the presence of God, more than we do loving him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, more than we do worshiping him, that can end us up in a dangerous place. We can become like Paul where we're following after the traditions of men and we're so blinded that we can't even see the loving Jesus right before us. But when the scales fall off of our eyes, I hope that we have the character and discipline to forgive ourselves and turn to Jesus like Paul did. We're going to turn in our Bibles and read about his conversion in Acts chapter 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 18 this morning. You can read that whole chapter if you want to know more about it. Starting at verse 1, it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He was passionate about what he believed. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 
Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. If you're Ananias, you might get a little nervous if the Lord tells you, go pray for Saul, the persecutor. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. That is the conversion of Saul. I want to read, I wanted to read that from the Bible this morning so that you would understand how easy it is to think that you are doing right and on the right way when you are so intent on the law of God without relationship with Jesus. You have to have relationship and know him and be in communication with Jesus if you're going to get it right. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame that Paul had to work through? Can you imagine the emotions he felt when he realized, oh my goodness, I have been attacking the God that I thought I was defending. He was a devoutly religious man and he was getting rid of what he thought was false doctrine. The revelation of who Jesus was had to have stung Paul. Paul had to make a decision to swallow his pride in order to follow Jesus. He had to make an ego adjustment. He probably felt pretty manly, breathing out threats, striking fear into the hearts of all the people. Acts chapter 8 and verse 3 says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Sounds like a meanie. But he was doing it in the name of God. He thought he was right. If Paul is going to turn to Jesus, he's going to have to admit that he's wrong. And sometimes admitting you're wrong is hard. Sometimes admitting you're wrong is embarrassing. But Paul wanted, he decided he was going to turn to Jesus. Sometimes people receive revelation, and instead of repenting and turning to Jesus, they're too embarrassed 
or they feel ashamed and they sit down and sink into a pit of self-pity. Some of us are real good at that. Sink it on down into our pit and just hanging out there. Nothing good ever happens in the pit. Get up and get out of that pit. Paul decides, I'm not going to cling to my image as the manly persecutor, but I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to be baptized. He was baptized and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And because Paul turned to Jesus, he gave the Jews and the Gentiles a way forward. His teachings about loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself challenged the followers of Jesus to follow the command of love over law. And you know what's so ironic about that? Who else could have done that so well than the one who was a, a former law enforcer? Here he was enforcing the law violently, and he falls in love with Jesus and finds that grace is extended to him. Paul studied the Jewish law. He knew it backwards and forward. He lived it. He tried to force others to live it. But when he had an encounter with Jesus, he finally understood the purpose of the law. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law and reconcile us back to God. And you know what's so cool is that Paul's letters had such a great impact on the early church, and they still impact us today. These letters were written to help the new churches overcome their theological concerns and realize how to live that Christian life in the culture of the Mediterranean. And in that time, it was they were the Jews were switching to embrace Jesus Christ as the Redeemer. They were having to learn the, the law of grace and of love and be filled with the Holy Spirit. They were having to switch how they viewed things in their past. And Paul's letters helped them to do that. He supported, encouraged, and inspired the new churches. He taught about how Christ lived in them through the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit, and how they could help one another. Paul's missionary journeys, it brought the gospel to Rome, to Ephesus, to Corinth, and to many other places. Paul wrote 13 books of the Bible, and when Paul turned to Jesus, there is no question that he redirected his life. He was a different person. He was not the same man. And when you turn your life to Jesus, he can completely change you just like he did Paul. Maybe some of you, Paul passionately pursued his agenda law. And he caused a lot of damage doing that. Sometimes before we recognize who Jesus is, we cause a lot of damage in life to people. Some of you may have caused a lot of damage to your family. But when you turn to Jesus and you let his love direct you, he can restore and heal and make new again. And the damage that your past has caused, God can help you correct it. And his love can flow to that place and heal that wound that you've inflicted in your ignorance. 
When we turn to Jesus, he's always there, willing and ready to receive us. And to me, there's no more beautiful story of that in the Bible than the parable of the prodigal son. It's such a beautiful portion of scripture. And it, it is a, it's a story that Jesus taught to help people understand. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read that story in um, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what we have done time and time again? When we've gotten off the path and we've gone our own way. And we've done things the way we want to do it. Verse 17 says that he remembers that his dad has a house and his servants who have food to spare while he's starving. He left his father's house to live it up, to do things his own way, to get away from the rules and find the freedom that he'd always craved. Most of us kind of feel that way around um, time we graduate from high school and usually start headed out to college, that can be a very dangerous time, my friends. That can be very dangerous. If you're a college student, keep rooted in the, in the ways of God and stay close to the people who love you and know how to help you. But the prodigal son, he spends his inheritance on prostitutes and partying and what he thought was freedom that was really death. It wasn't freedom. It was bondage. What he thought was freedom, it led him to loneliness, hunger, emptiness, and feelings of worthlessness. That's what the enemy always does. 
He tries his best to get us off the track and say, you need freedom. Oh, these rules are so binding. Oh, my goodness. You, your parents don't know what they're talking about. Your pastor, no. Oh, find your own freedom. Come on. You, you make your own choices. And when we turn off the path, we always find loneliness, hunger, emptiness, feelings of worthlessness, Leaving the father's house and pursuing pleasure, it leads to temporary highs. It's quick. It might be fun for a little bit, but you always come down and you want the rush again. That's what happened to the prodigal son. He was seeking after those thrills. He wanted it again. But when the rush is gone and you wake up in the pig pen, you're filled with shame. And the fear is still there. And the emptiness is still there. And you're still starving for something real. It's not long if you stay in that life that you find yourself in the clutches of addiction. Addicted to various things. Addicted to drugs, porn, alcohol, drama, attention. Addicted to sex, addicted to food, addicted to social media. Addicted to video games. There's so many addictions. But the bottom line is we're trying to fill something with what needs to be filled with Jesus. So when the rush is gone and you wake up in the pig pen, it's time to come to your senses and remember you have a father who loves you and he sees you as you are. He loves you as you are. You're already enough. Because you belong to him. When the prodigal returned home, he said, I'll just be a servant. His father said, no, you're my son. Put on this robe. We're going to celebrate your return. We are so glad that you came back. We are so happy that you returned to your house where there is love and there is forgiveness and there is acceptance. You're still my son. And the Lord would say today to his sons and his daughters, I'm right here where you left me. Return to me. Turn to me. And my arms are going to be open to receive you. Some of you may have just slightly turned off the path and you're not in the pig pen. But you don't worship the way you used to worship. And what once was just so passionate, an overflow of your love for God. Somewhere along the way, that love for God got turned to a love for something else. And you're, some of you didn't care what other people thought. You just wanted to serve the Lord with everything in your hunger for his goodness to be overflowing in your life. It led you to share the word. It led you to pray for people. It led you to boldly proclaim the truth. It led you to believe for healing. Some of you may have been in the word of God. Maybe you loved studying his word and you memorized it and you held it dear to your heart. But now it's just a chore. Turn to Jesus. Turn back to him where he's saying, my son, my daughter, I'm right here. I have a purpose and a plan and a work for you to do. 
the path that you're on, it matters. Your decisions matter. How you live your life, it matters. Your worship matters. Some of you have allowed your worship to be silenced. And if you've allowed the enemy to shut your mouth, I'm asking you to turn to Jesus and open it and boldly and loudly proclaim that he is my God and I will worship him with all my heart, my soul, my strength. And I will proclaim that he is good and that he is a just God, that he is holy, that he is righteous, that he is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords, that he's my healer, my deliverer, that he is my everything, that he is my all in all, that I will love what he loves and I will hate what he hates. I will be in alignment with his word and my feet will walk the path of righteousness. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of thy words brings life. It brings understanding to the simple. The words of the Lord are pure words. He is a great and a holy God, and his arms are open wide for you today. If you'll stand with me and the praise team can come, I want to remind you, if you've gotten off of the path, and maybe it's just that I used to fast regularly, and I don't fast anymore, Maybe you've lost that power with God. Maybe you've laid down some um, devotions that you need to pick back up again. Maybe you've left some ways that you need to go back to. But all you need to do is turn in his direction. It's not complicated. It's not hard. The turning point is where everything changes. So don't keep rushing down the path of your own way or the way of this world. But turn in his direction. Turn to Jesus. Turn to the Father's house. Turn to life. Return to loving God with the passion that you had when you first fell in love with him. Return to his, enjoying his presence. For the enemy is always going to be there. And you know, he works through people. Psalms 119.61 says, Evil men have tried to drag me into sin. But I am firmly anchored in your instructions. There might be people in your life, maybe even in your at work, in your family, they're being used by the enemy to try and drag you into sin, to try and tempt you with the things that you know don't lead to life. But if you're firmly anchored in the law of God, if you're firmly 
in his ways, in his testimonies, in his word, in his commandments, and you are loving him with everything you are. If you have turned to Jesus, remain there in his arms. If today you don't know him, he went to the cross for you. He saw you hundreds of years into the future and said that you are worth dying for. I love you so much that I'm going to lay down my life and I am going to become the sacrifice for your sins and through me you can find life eternal. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Turn to him. Turn back to him. Receive his abundant life, his forgiveness, his healing, his peace, his hope. He has a life waiting for you that has purpose and meaning beyond the temporal. I'm reminded of that old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Don't look around at other people and other things. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I invite you to come to this altar today. Some of you used to come to the altar every single time the altar was opened. And some of you would stay and pray even after it was dismissed. Turn to Jesus. Turn to the ways of life. Let him put his robe on you and celebrate you. Let him remind you that you are his dear son or daughter and that you're worth dying for. Turn to him and let your mess be turned into a message and a ministry. Thank you, Lord. Applied, God, to this church in Jesus' name. 